but we're much better than what we showed against them, and this is what we're going to show them to the 90 plus podcast here's your host ben rigetti and sebastian pereira all right welcome to episode 40 of the 90 plus podcast part of the bgn network powered by rough neck scarves i'm your host ben rigetti as always joined by my wonderful co-host sebastian pereira about a week ago we had kenny miller come on we had a great time with him we also kind of touched up on some of the rebranding stuff we've been uh, doing over the last few weeks. So go check out our Twitter and Instagram at 90 plus podcast over there to see what we've been up to. But in the meantime, just been hanging out, getting ready for another awesome interview uh, with Jay Demerit, former White Cats captain, which will be a great time, I am sure. And I'm sure you guys are going to love listening to it as well. But we've got some Whitecaps uh, content that we do need to touch on, of course, before we do dive on into the Jay Demerit interview. Uh, first and foremost, Sebastian, how are you doing? We're a few days into preseason training camp and all that jazz. So a few days in, how are you doing, my friend? Pretty good, my friend. Uh, it's good to finally be back talking Whitecaps and for the boys to, you know, be back in preseason training. It, it feels like a little while ago when uh, you and I were covering preseason last year. It honestly yeah. feels like yesterday, and now, uh, now it's it's all of a sudden we're back in another preseason again. So, um, so yeah, it's good to see the boys back in training. Uh, we got a lot of news this week to cover uh, for the Whitecaps, so uh, we'll break all of that down. And yeah, once again, guys, thanks so much for the support we've received over the past week on the Kenny Miller interview. Uh, we we love the we love to chat with him and. Also, the rebrand that we had going on, we received a lot of good messages, a lot of good feedback on Twitter. Um, so thanks to everyone who's who's reached out, sent feedback, um, as well as followed our new Instagram account. There's a lot of new content on there, and we're going to keep posting a lot of new content on there as well. So if you haven't checked that out, go follow us at 90 plus podcast on Instagram. Again, guys, I mean, it, it was great. I mean, we, we were, we were <laughs> Ben and I were just kind of like starstruck with all the support we received and all the all the feedback we received on the video, everyone said it was awesome. So yeah, thanks guys. I mean, Ben, I mean, are you yeah. still like, are you still kind of like, buddy, it's know, awesome. Are, yeah. We're like, sponsored. Are, we're on a network. Like it's been a week and this is just like phenomenal. I mean, even in the span of a week, we had two former players come on, one of which was probably my first favorite white cap in Jay Demerit. So I'm really excited to have a chat with him later. And you guys will hear that in about 10 minutes or so. But yeah, really, it's been just so much fun uh, doing this over the last year. 40 episodes uh, over a year. 40 now, episodes. 40 episodes. That's, you know, that's a lot. We put some effort and some grind into this. So now we're really glad to see uh, the people that reacting and uh, reaching out to us on social media, giving us all the positive feedback. So yeah, it's just nice to you know, kind of see that there are people out there listening to us, to two idiots with a microphone and a Zoom call in a basement in a bedroom. That's that's all we can do. So yeah, no, we've appreciated everything. So um, yeah, rebrand, it's over, it's done. We're moving on to season two of our coverage. Like Sebastian said, this is our second go around covering the cap. So obviously it's going to be a bit different than typical years, um, but regardless, it's still going to be the same old content you guys are used to here on the 90 plus podcast. You better believe that will not change. 
And our first piece of uh, talking point, I guess, that we can get into, Sebastian, training uh, camp. Who's impressed you? We've only seen a couple of clips and stuff coming out on social media. What are you, it's only been a few days from what you've heard from the players and stuff like that. What are you feeling? Who, what are you thinking about in terms of success and who's you know, showed up ready to go, stuff like that? Well, yeah, I mean, we haven't had too many clips here and there about uh, the preseason training. Uh, in this first week, but uh, from what I've seen, um, I, I really like the uh, the presence that Dahomey has given in the first couple of days here. Uh, and I, uh, ben, Freddie ben, Montero, you he leaves and you just latch onto the next Colombian you see, eh? Well, I mean, it's not my fault. Like he put in a great he put in a great yeah. ball into Theo Bear for that for that tapping goal that they put on the B roll t- uh, this week, um, and they posted that on uh, Twitter, I think, as well. Um, but also the build-up to that play as well was really great to see. He got involved with uh, Cam Habibula, the youngster. Uh, I believe he was part of the Whitecaps team that traveled two years ago to South Korea to play that friendly match. The development squad played a friendly match in South Korea uh, against Dajon Citizens, and Cam Habibula was part of that team. And um, he's he's been on the radar for a while uh, of the first team staff. So uh, it's good to finally see him, you know, kind of easing himself into – this first team and it looks like he'll probably be signing a, a pro contract in either this this soft se- this uh, preseason or maybe in the summer we'll see but um, he's a promising lad who's uh, had experience with Canada at the youth levels as well so um, we'll see how he how he does in preseason and if he gains that contract he played a big part in that uh, Theo Bear tapping goal that we saw in the b-roll he combined well with Dahomey uh, and Bear in the goal so yeah, those are kind of the, the two guys that uh, that I really thought stood out to me in, in, in the first couple of clips that we saw in preseason. We're still missing a number 10, though. That's kind of the main concern, obviously. So hopefully we, we, we get some more news on that before the, the season starts and before that first game comes around. I, I wrote a piece today for my writing at Last Word on Soccer. So two of my listeners go check that out um it should be up in the next day or two probably right around the time this episode goes up um but yeah no i kind of spoke about like the difficulties of bringing uh players right now i mean i used a good example in diver caicedo he it was probably about early december that reports first came out that it looked like he was going to join the white caps and, and it said it was like a done deal back in the it summer. seemed pretty early on in december that it, he was going to join the team we are now pretty much a week into March and he's still not with the club. And, you know, obviously that's not purely up to the club. You know, there's difficulty with visas and work permits and quarantines and everything else. But regardless, this is, but, you know, by the time he looks like he's going to be training fully fit and emerging the squad, it will be just around four months since the first kind of reports were linked to the club wanting him and pretty much buying him. So it really does take in a lot of time. So this number 10 that comes in, you know, we haven't, you know, we've heard names flutter out there, obviously, you know, Otavio, Kaku, uh, Chiquinho, but really just overall, it's really going to be a tough uh, uh, deal and everything to get him in, go through the two-week quarantine, get him up to being fully fit, getting the work visas, getting the permits, finding him and negotiating with the club that he's from to bring him in. It's, It's a long process. And the fact that with it, you know, at least at this point, we kind of thought we'd be a little bit further along that we would just be waiting on work visas and permits and that sort of stuff. But 
yeah, it is. It's difficult, and you know, we had some things fall through. Ottavio looks very promising, uh, and you know, I mentioned a few other names as well already. But it just really is going to be a process, and I think Whitecap fans need to open their eyes a little bit. I mean, it's going to take four months for Casado to go from uh, you know not a Whitecap to training and in training with the first team. And, you know, I can only imagine it's going to be something similar for this number 10, who we haven't even started to know who he is, where he is, getting him and buying him from the club he's at now. So it's, it's going to be a difficult process. Yeah, for sure. And Mark Dos Santos spoke about that this week, that, you know, it's, it's a difficult world right now, the transfer market with uh, COVID-19, as you said, Ben, he highlighted it as well. So um, they, they got to take all these procedures in place, um, and they also have to, you know, talk to the player and let them know, okay, you might not be seeing your family for a very long time, because as we know, um, it's basically been made official now that the Whitecaps will be going to Utah for most of the season. Uh, we were still waiting for official confirmation on that, but um, they basically, like the Whitecaps have to talk to the player and say, hey, you're not going to be with your family for like the majority of your time here uh, for this first season uh, anyway, so uh, they have to let him know that. And then the player has to take a personal decision as to whether, okay, do I, you know, risk myself going with um, the team to a city I've never been before uh, in the States as well, which is not, I mean, it's better now with COVID and stuff like that, but it's not still as good as Canada, I would say. Um, and, and he also, ha- he also can't see his family for that period. He has to leave uh, his wife with children. If they do have a wife, if they do have a, children he has to make that decision as well so it's going to be difficult for the Whitecaps you know to get this number 10 in and um, here's to hoping they do that soon Um, the sooner the better because I mean obviously it's going to help the team in the long run it's going to help the player you know get adjusted to the scenery in Vancouver and the and the and the group so once he they do go to Utah he can immediately provide for them and you know be that difference maker on the field so um so yeah, I mean, it's gonna take it's gonna take a while. We have to understand that. But uh, is it a surprise that it's taking this long? I don't think so, no. considering everything no. that's that's going on in the world right now. Yeah, I think the only thing fans were so I think we all sort of knew that it was gonna take this long. But I just thought we would be further along in the process than we are right now, which is you know fair. Deals fall mm-hmm. through and everything. But regardless, one uh, player that does look like he's joining the Whitecaps over the next little while is Bruno Gaspar. Uh, from over in Portugal at Sporting Lisbon. Uh, 27-year-old right back uh, from Andorra, I believe, was it? Angola? Angola. Angola, um, yeah, yeah. Angola. Yeah, so yeah. So it does seem like he's going to be joining the Caps on a one-year loan uh, with an option to buy at the end of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting move. Uh, I, I've, listeners of the podcast know that I am a fan of Jake Nowinski and the work that he's able to do. And while he might not be as flashy or kind of out there as some other fullbacks in the MLS, I do think he does the job well. Um, And that being said, I don't know how bringing in a new right back will uh, go for him. Obviously, you know, if you're bringing him in for one year loan, you'd have to imagine he's going to be starting over Jake Nowinski, but it's nice to have that depth. And that was a big thing going into the, uh, the draft uh, about a month ago or so. That's why they picked up Javen Brown in the, in, with their second pick in the, of the first round to that right back. So, yeah, it's an interesting move to bring in some competition for Jake Nowinski. We saw what it did to Ali Adnan when they benched him for Christian Gutierrez and 
Adnan stepped up his game, delivered, and won player of the season. You know, it's it's a good thing to see, you know, light that fire a little bit. It's similar to Jake Nowinski. There's no competition for that right back spot. So bringing in someone who's going to challenge him and will likely take the starting job away from him once he arrives and is fully fit and ready. So having the, that kind of fire under Nowinski to earn back that spot, earn back some playing minutes. It's going to be a fun battle to see, but it does suck for, uh, for Javen Brown, who looks like he was the right back cover and the, the backup plan, but he just gets pushed down a notch further on the, the pecking order. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, as you said, for Javane Brown, um, who a lot of people are saying is a really good uh, sleeper pick in this year's Super Draft. Um, if I'm not mistaken, though, Javane Brown uh, has also played center back in a three-man back line before. So, um, again, he kind of has like that cover uh, for the Caps there if they do decide to go with a three-man back line system. Um, I mean, I, I would prefer they go to a 4-2-3-1, but, um, but, you know, you got the cover there as well if you want to operate with a, with a third-string center back there. Um, and, yeah, as for Bruno Gaspar, I mean, he looks like a really promising fullback. Very similar to Ali Adnan as well in the way he gets forward, the way he defends and combines the play with the winger. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in and the competition he he forms up with Jake Nowinski. I mean, we all know how well Jake Nowinski did last year. He was probably the Caps' most consistent player mm-hmm. uh, week in, week out. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see that battle unfold and whether Marco Santos probably goes for Bruno Gaspar for some games where they try and exploit a more defensive type of team and they want to, you know, attack the wings, have those fullbacks pushed high up, uh, or if they maybe go with Norwinski for some more uh, defensive games, maybe against like a team like the Sounders, you know, where they want to hit on the count or something like that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I'm really excited about Bruno Gaspar. I mean, he's playing, oh, yeah. he's playing in a top league, Liga Nos, who has produced a fair bit of talent. I got to say over the past, even 12 months, if you look at it, I mean, Bruno, you. Bruno Fernandes, <laughs> Chiquinho. I mean, hey, that's still not out of that's, that's still not out of the question. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. But you know, Bruno Fernandes. I mean, I'm talking big names here, but like Bruno Fernandes to Man U. You've seen the impact he's had. Ruben Diaz from Benfica to Man City. He's had a huge impact there. Um, so much Portuguese talent comes out of Benfica, Sporting CP, FC Porto. Those teams produce incredible talents year in year out. So. Um, are the Cavs getting a, a very good player at a very decent price? Oh, yeah, for sure. And for, I thought, yeah, for a one year loan, I think it's no harm, no foul in this move. You know, you bring him in if you like him, and he's only, I think he's 27. I think you bring him in in the prime of his career. Worst case scenario, you send him away after one year, you've still got Jake Nowinski and a promising up and coming Jivin Brown. Best case scenario, he's he's a standout player. He sticks with the squads. They purchase him for, uh, you know, after this one year deal. Then maybe they try package Jake Nowinski into a trade, or they get some money for Nowinski and see what they can do from there. So I really don't think it's. I, I, I like I like the move. I don't know how it'll. I'm not sure if I like it if I'm Jake Nowinski, and I really don't like it if I'm Javane Brown. But I think as a club overall, I think it's a. Uh, no harm, no foul sort of situation. Um, now, with all that out of the way, we are ready to get into our interview with former Whitecaps captain, Jay Demerit. Hope you guys enjoy it. 
Uh, we'll talk to you guys on the other side. We're going to be breaking down the new White Caps hoop jersey as well as the rest of the new MLS kits. So stay tuned after the interview for that. But yeah, for now, enjoy our chat with former White Caps captain, U.S. men's international World Cup veteran, Premier League veteran, Jay Demerit. All right, we are now joined by former white cap captain, skipper, center back, Jay Demerit. Also spent a lot of his time over in Watford, former U.S. international and World Cup veteran. We're really excited to have you on, Jay. Been emailing for a little while now, back and forth. Finally got our dates lined up and everything, and we're more than excited to have you on 90 Plus here. Always a pleasure to be here, share my story and, 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 and share some of those experiences that, you know, again, I was so fortunate to have. So, again, happy to be here. Well, I think there's no better place to start than back at the beginning. So, obviously, uh, American, was it, you're from Wisconsin, yep? That's correct, yep. So, yeah, so you moved from uh, uh, Chicago when you finished university to England uh, and it's kind of being documented, not a whole lot sort of uh, money-wise sort of stuff. So you joined ninth tier South Hall. Uh, from there, almost immediately went from South Hall and uh, the ninth tier to Watford, who are in the championship, almost instantly. How did you sort of manage to do that? Um, well, I, I think, you know, I, I know it kind of said, it seems instantly, but the, but the thing was that kind of time between you know, 22 and 24 was that kind of crossroads. And then you go, you're about to reach that, I would imagine. If, 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 it's, it's this time where you're, you, you're at a crossroads to where you want the next step to be. And so for me, I didn't have a lot of opportunities. I didn't get drafted by any MLS clubs. So, you know, again, I went to school to be a designer. So I had this kind of decision to make. Do I, do I trust in myself and belief in my belief systems that I can grow, that, I, that I've only had limited soccer experience, even though I am 23? You know, I was late to the game, but I also knew my own story. And I, I say that a lot about this crossroads time. Do you know, do you know yourself en- enough to make the right decision? And, and for me, I didn't know myself as a soccer player enough to make that decision. So I, something inside me said, you've got to keep trying, you've got to keep going. And so that allowed me, again, the opportunity to, to take it upon myself. Uh, again, I'd have to start at the bottom of the barrel somewhere. You know, again, I, I, America just told me that I wasn't good enough. I didn't get drafted. And so again, I had limited opportunities, but they were kind of here and in England. So at the time I just thought, you know, again, I'd never been to England before. I'd never seen soccer culture the way that it actually is. So that excited me. And, and at the end of the day, I, I still felt like I had more to give. I hadn't heard enough no's, I suppose, in my world uh, to, to actually believe it, you know, because again, I believed enough in myself to understand that I still had a lot of work to do, but I could be good enough. And, and, and so that allowed me to, to, to really go to England again, start at the ninth division, which is again, 40 bucks in some field in front of four people. So it wasn't like it was this glamorous, you're going to Europe and I'm going to be a pro kind of environment. So, you know, for me, I had to get through that. You know, you got to park your ego there a lot. You got to build that with kind of a humility type of mindset where, you know, you sit on the bench, you don't act like you're, you know, you respect the place, you respect the people around it. And, and, and so for me, that was about that time where, you know, you start to do those things, but with that attitude, you work hard every day and you get better and you ask the right questions to the right people and then you get better. And all of a sudden after a year, you know, Watford calls and it's like, Hey, I saw you guys play where are you interested in coming here for a trial? You know, it seems as though in the story that it was quick, but it was actually about just over a year, year and a half of, of me, again, playing in front of three people, getting 30 bucks a game, you know, that kind of stuff was just things that you have to go through. And well, if you were me, 
uh, to, to have to get to that big opportunity. And that was that Watford game. So, you know, uh, but again, I came into that Watford opportunity fit uh, again, a year's worth of experience. So I had more, more knowledge. I had more, uh, you know, things that I, I needed to get better at that I did get better at. And so I went into that Watford trial still confident that I had gotten better, that that year wasn't wasted. And, and, I, and again, I was ready for that opportunity. And, and, and so then they took me on trial and ended up signing me a week and a half later. Just curious, uh, um, were you working any other jobs during your time in uh, Southall? I was. I was. Uh, I was working uh, at a bar sometimes, and then also we we took a painter and decorator job for cash, and uh, I was doing some painting and decorating too. Uh, you know, ripping wallpaper off of walls and stuff. So, yeah, again, not the most glamorous things that you want to be if you want to be a footballer. But um, you know, again, when, when you when you work hard to make money, well, that's what I had to do. Jada Merritt, captain, soccer player, World Cup vet, and painter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you go. Add, add that to the resume. <laughs> of course. Um, moving on to your time with Watford now. Uh, in your second season with them, you managed to help secure promotion. Uh, and you also scored in the playoff final versus Leeds, and you, you were able to get man of the match there. What was that occasion like for you playing in arguably one of the biggest games in Europe in the championship playoff final? Uh, well, just like anything, it was it was a process for me to get there. You know, you don't score goals in that magnitude in front of 80,000 people until you're, you know, you're ready for it. And, and so for that first season, you know, I had a lot to learn. I ended up playing 30 games my first season. Um, so that really gave me the confidence in year two, because the second season I was in, that was the year we got promoted. But you know, it took me that first year of experience to really get the game there, to understand the culture of it, to understand the pace of the game, understand how to be a consistent player. Because, you know, it's easy to go out there and play one good game and then go sit down. But, you know, you got to do it 30 times when you got English first division players coming and helping you in the face every day and trying to take your job and do all that other stuff that comes along with, with playing at that high level. So I had to learn that quickly. Again, I was late to the game, so I wasn't like this 19-year-old kid that had years to learn. You know, I, I didn't. I, I didn't have that kind of time. And so I guess that, that was part of my mindset was to learn fast. Um, and then once I got opportunities was to take them with both hands. And as we came into the second season, we hired a new young manager that really liked the way that I played. He gave me the confidence that I could be a leader or at least a contributor in that second season and say, listen, you're as good as you want to be. Why don't you, you know, you got to, I want to push you to be a better leader. I want to push you to challenge your own performances. And that's what I started to do. And by the end of that second season, again, we, we made the playoffs um, and I was playing with a lot of confidence. I was playing with a, with a manager that believed in me again, which bred that confidence. And, 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 and I, again, as I was looking forward to that Watford trial in the first time, now I'm a Watford player and I'm looking forward to getting to the Premier League. You know, you know, again, every time you're in a new situation your, your, your goals and your mindset should, should be changing and evolving for the better. And, and, and so for me, now that I was a player, player that was a pro that was contributing to his team now, now go and be somebody great or greater. And so that kind of really, you know, created the mindset to, to get improved every, every day and to, to be ready for leads in front of 80,000 people at the millennium stadium and, and, and go do well. And goal uh, again, that was a corner kick that I had, that I had, um, I had done in my mind a hundred times, you know, if any, anyone has ever seen the goal, it's, you know, I see the guy again, because of my preparation for that, for that game. And therefore for that moment, um, I can see that my mark cheating to go to the front post and I can see what he's doing. And that's normally my run was, was to the front post. And so I take kind of a fake step and I see him cheat. And so I'm like, okay, again, that's, that's, that's me being prepped that he knows where I'm going. Cause he would have done his research. Now I can 
I can manipulate that. I can change that. And so that's why I fake step forward and then come around the back. And sure enough, sometimes when you're on corner kicks, anyone that watches soccer knows you never know where it's going to go. There's because the corner kicker will tries to hit three different spots. And so this one ended up coming to the spot that I actually happened to be in uh, again, that I had manipulated to, to change my run to. And uh, sure enough, you know, you do your best to get your head on the end of the of a very well whipped in corner from, from Ashley Young, again, who, who's gone on to have an incredible career with some of the best clubs in the world. And, you know, his delivery was top class, even as a 19, 20 year old, which he was then, you know, you get your head on a paced ball like that and, and it goes right where you want it to go. You know what I mean? And, and so uh, it might hurt a little bit, you know, that thud in your head doesn't always feel great when you got a whipped in corner at 50 K, but um, you know, again, that's what you, that's what you live for. It's what you dream of. And, you know, again, I had visualized that moment lots of times and, and uh, sure enough, got enough on it and, and Watford's up one zero and, you know, that moment itself, and again, to go back to the original point was just a real culmination of years of work of, of years of, of putting yourself on the line, believing in yourself. And then, you know, making the most of opportunities. And, and, and that moment for me was uh, the opportunity to have my family and, in, in, you know, who would watch this and supported me all along the way when I was, you know, playing in front of two people in a cow and in a foreign land that I had never been to before. It's like, they were all in the stands that day, all the, you know, all the, all the people that helped support me with the non-league teams and my old coaches and stuff from England, they were all there. And, and so for me to, to enjoy that moment with them was extra special too, because, you know, you're only as good as your support system, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, good support lets you rely on yourself when, when it really matters. And, and and so for me, I was always fortunate to have great support systems, but also to ask for support when I needed it too. And then those moments when it all comes together, it makes it all worth it. And, and so for me, that moment was that. Um, so you said, obviously, you know, culmination, hard work, everything sort of building up to that one moment, that one game. And then all of a sudden you're in the Premier League and you've gone from playing in front of two people in a cow to going up against the best of the world in the world in, you know, stadiums like Anfield's Old Trafford stuff like that what was that feeling like if you can if you can sum it up what was that like just sort of knowing that you've gone from you know wh where you were uh, no obviously no offense to South Hall but South Hall up to uh, the promised land of the Premier League what was that sort of feeling like for you inside I mean, again, you, you have to enjoy your wins too as much as you need to, to be critical of your losses you know and for me um you know, it was really, first, it was amazing because you got to pat yourself on the back because two years later, I was sitting in the pub, not playing against Ronaldo. You know what I mean? So, you know, for me, it was, it was an initial happiness, an initial, I can't, you know, again, I can't believe I'm here, but I am here. So get, get shit together and, and make sure you do well because, you know, that doesn't change. And so at first it was adopted to that mindset, you know, appreciate the journey to work to where you are, but now you're playing against the best players in the world every minute of every game in the Premier League, you really are. And so that's a different mindset shift. And, and so for me, that was the first thing I needed to work on was, you know, again, you can play one game, like I said earlier, and you can play really well, but you know, now Man United's here. And then next week it's Newcastle and the week after that it's Chelsea and, and the week after that it's Man City. And all of a sudden you're like, I can't take any days off for the next you know, 280 days. And so that creates the mindset to like really understand that you are one of the best in the world, but are therefore playing against some of the best in the world. So you got to make sure that you're, you're even with them. So that started the whole kind of mindset. Okay, now I'm here, but this is going to be really difficult. So keep the work. And then secondly, it was about prep for me though. That moment was what I think about a lot was like, I, I really changed my preparation because even though I never, I never, I never put preparation 
uh, down the priority list, but the detail in which you need to prepare at that level is, is just, it's just heightened. It's just higher. It's, you know, again, because when you play against Drogba or Ronaldo, you don't, get, you don't really get a mistake. Do you know what I mean? So if I get a ball on my left leg, I take an extra touch because I forget how fast he is and he's going to close me down quicker. I'm going to take that extra touch. He's going to steal it and put it in the corner because Ronaldo and Drogba and, you know, Wayne Rooney, these types of guys, they only need one chance. They, they, they hit nine out of 10, if not 9.8 out of 10, that they're literally that good. So, you know, you got to cut down the mistakes. You got to, you got to prepare for them, you know, again, for the example of Ronaldo, he's going to close you down quick because he's extra, he's, he's that half a quick second faster. So as you get the ball, remember, don't take too many touches, get the ball, get it out of your feet to the midfield. You know what I mean? Like that's a preparation more than a live decision. Do, do, do you know what I mean? No. And so sometimes when you, when you get too much into the moment and you try to like not be prepared or not try to make, you know, like that kind of idea, that's when you make the mistake and that's when you get punished. And that's when you find yourself on the bench the next week. And that's when you find yourself without a contract. So within that, it becomes a real mindset thing. It's a preparation. It's, it's an ability to perform under pressure. And ultimately it's the ability to make less mistakes th th than the other person. And so again, when you play against the best and the best, that means something. And so preparation really for me became the biggest thing I had to work on for that season because you got to do it every week. For sure, for sure. Um, on a lighter note, uh, you did release a single through Watford called uh, Soccer Rocks. Uh, what made you go for that? And uh, could we maybe get a little rendition right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that needs to come on in the broadcast or something. Uh, I'll, I'll fix yeah. it up in editing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Soccer Rocks was a project after the Premier League. My, my good friend and, and uh, someone I own a, a technology company here with in the States is he's a musician. So he loves to make tunes and jingles out of things. And we got promoted. So he turned an old rock song called Soccer, or sorry, Dr. Rocks into, he changed the lyrics into a, a, a song called Soccer Rocks. And it's based on a, a song called, you know, again, uh, Dr. Rock from a, a brand called Ween. And it's an old rock band. And so he, when I came home, he's like, he had it all written and he was dead. And I just started laughing and, you know, he's got a studio in his place. And so he's like, we're going to make the album for the record company that I, that I have. And I'm like, no way, you're not going to do that. And he's like, yeah, we are. It's, it's funny. We just think it's funny. So we want to produce the track. And so again, we were just having fun with it. But then I just got thinking because I'm someone that just does things and, and, and I like to try things I've never done before and making it, charity single was certainly something I had never done before. So that's kind of where my mind shifted. It's like, if we're going to make this, you're going to put it to the public, let's do it. So if the public actually buy it, and about that time, that's what it was. It was DVDs. You couldn't like download a track and for $1.50, you can't really do that back then. And so you had to, they bought, you had to buy this DVD single for like four or five pounds. I think we did it for 10 pounds at the club shop. And we ended up raising $10,000 for, for uh, cancer research UK at the time. So it was like, it, I kind of like to take some of the silly things that I do and make sure that it's for a good cause. And uh, that was kind of it. And so they wanted to produce the track. I thought it was kind of funny. It's super fun based on getting promoted to the Premier League. And, you know, that kind of thing is, is interesting and it's unique. So I just decided to do it. And, and then in the end, again, a bunch of people loved it, thought it was funny, enjoyed it, sang it in the stands for that season. And, uh, and, and again, raised 10 grand just for, for trying to fun, do fun things that, 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 that life presents you. So I guess that for me was, was why Soccer Rocks happened. But 
you know, again, I'm again, I'm a believer in, 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 in doing fun things that you've never done before, just for the sake of doing them, <laughs> especially if they that's can great. help people. <laughs> that's great. That's a great story. <laughs> so just double checking, that's a no on getting the chorus right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It says soccer rocks. <laughs> okay. we'll um, do some yeah, no, you should, you should find it. It's funny. It's uh, I don't even think it's on the internet. It was on iTunes for years. Okay. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine sold a million copies. So I think they took it down. <laughs> um, I'll do some digging around afterwards. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, final question about Watford. Obviously, you know, this is a Whitecaps podcast. You spent some time here in Vancouver. Um, so we'll get to Vancouver in just a second. But I think uh, probably the biggest question a lot of people are wondering about your time at Watford. Did you ever get to meet Elton John? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He would come every season. And again, as I became captain of the team, I, I, he would fly into the training ground. And, uh, you know, I, I would be the one that would meet him first and introduce him to the new players. And so, yeah, I, I, over the years, I've developed a great relationship with Elton John, still have it. And again, I've seen both his shows here. He, I go behind stage after the before and after the show. He, he, he shouts me out on stage to 20,000 people at Rogers Arena saying like, you know, this is my band, blah, blah, blah. And to the, and to the fabulous Jay Demerities of the stands tonight, my, one of my favorite Watford players, like stuff like that, dude, like it's the wildest stuff you'll ever hear in your life. Uh, but you know, when you, when you captain a, a boyhood club that, you know, Elton John is, is to this day obsessed with and loves so much, you know, he, he's, he's notoriously twice the owner of, of Watford football club. A lot of people don't know the history of Elton John, but he uh, he was he grew up in the terraces there with his dad. Uh, one of the one of the major reasons he had a relationship with his father um, in the small amount that he did. Um, you know, twice the club was in bankruptcy, and he, he helped him out and got him out of it. And, and and has always been very very hands on with the club. Has an opinion. We'll call the owners and be like, you need to sell the goalkeeper, stuff like that. So you know, to have someone so passionate about that club and about you know. How much it means that's what that's what soccer is all about as far as i'm concerned so to be someone that could have a relationship someone as amazing as elton john someone that um really does love the game and loves loves the club that i i love you know that that's a cool relationship and you do get things from each other you know you never think that someone as as popular or so famous as him would 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 would, would like someone like me so much but in a way it's it's such a cool relationship because you know, you've got to imagine if you, you get to hang out with the club captain of, of the club that you love, that's a cool experience. And we, me as that person was always like, whoa, that's wild. But in a way that's, it's not that wild at all. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's what we as humans love to do. And it's just as much as I want to hang out with a rock star. So, you know, that kind of idea and that relationship for me has been something over the last, what, 15 years now. Uh, that is that that's pretty special and it's something I hold pretty close to his heart and uh, to my heart and and, and 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 again now I I play soccer in a field with his kids and, and and teach them how to play the game and stuff like that so it, it you know it's a great opportunity for me to engage with somebody that's so amazing and, and has helped so many people and, and, is, and is so famous and but at the end of the day he's a, he's a person just like you and me and 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 uh, and, and for, for real you can have great relationships with people just like him um, so two follow-up questions. Did you ever pitch soccer rocks to him? See if he could get that up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has heard of it. Back in the day, he did hear it. So, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. I wouldn't I wouldn't bring him that kind of music. I know he's got a <laughs> taste. So, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I might put it on the internet, but I probably won't approach him. <laughs> 
and so if you want to get Elton John on the podcast, you're a guy to talk to. I'll note that's that right. down for later if you're struggling. That, to that's guess. right. Yes, answer <laughs> my email first, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure, we'll let we'll let you know when we want Elton John on the pod. <laughs> um, moving on now to your time here in Vancouver. Um, you're coming out of college, and as you said, you weren't drafted or picked up by an MLS team. And then seven years later, you hear of this project in Vancouver um, and you're named captain of the new expansion team, uh, the Whitecaps. And what, what was that feeling like? Was there kind of like a bit of redemption of, of you kind of wanting to, to explore the MLS? And uh, how, how, well, how was that all like, all that whole experience of being named captain of, a, of an expansion team here in Vancouver? Um, well, for me, it was, it was an incredible opportunity, you know, and, and to your point, at the beginning of the question, it was it was this thing that I, at the time of, of a 23-year-old American who wasn't getting picked in North American leagues, definitely, you know, I didn't get a shout in, in the MLS at the time. You know, of course, it was always in my mind. You know, I, I'm not going to call it a chip on my shoulder, but I'm definitely going to say that at that time, I was 30. I had seven seasons for Watford. I had captained the club. I had played in the Premier League. I'd played in a World Cup. I'd become a leader of a, of a, of a group. You know what I mean? At Watford, I was captain of the team for a couple of years and, and got really great experience on how to lead, how to, how to perform under pressure, how to, you know, work in media, how to, how to be a voice of a franchise, how to get along with administrators, as well as being a bridge between the players and the coaches. You know what I mean? That's what a captain does in, in, on a soccer team. And, and, and so I had learned how to do that at a really high level. And I didn't want to let that go by going and trying to make money on a team that, I would have been in Europe, you know, at the time, again, I played a world cup, but most of the offers I was getting, you know, as a free agent was, yeah, come to, come to Stoke. Well, you can play in the premier league. You're going to sit behind these two guys that are our starters right now. Most likely, you know, we'll give you about the same paycheck. And I was like, I don't want to leave being a captain and something like that. And then go sit on the bench to make money. Like for me that did, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a fix. It wasn't like a, not a mindset where I didn't think that I was capable of going to Stoke and starting. Like that wasn't the point. It was just kind of like, I wanted to make sure I was still in control of my career and that money wasn't my driver. And so at the same time, when I was looking at options, you know, I had a couple in France, one in Scotland, um, and then two in England, one of them only I just really liked. And that was Nice, that was Nice down in, in the South of France. And they were a league one team at the time in France. And they needed to get rid of one of their center backs. And so at the end, they, they ended up not being able to get rid of him. So they couldn't bring me in. So that kind of, you know, again, sometimes moves take care of themselves too, because of the opportunity and, um, or, or, the, or, or a lot of times in moves, two ways have to happen for the change to, to happen. So you can offer a million dollars to somebody, but if you can't get rid of the other guy that's on a million dollars in the club, you can't exchange. You can't, so sometimes guys have to leave before you can bring anybody else in. And that summer after the World Cup, they they you know that was happening all over the place in Europe, in Europe especially. And but at the same time, you know, this whole burning desire to come back and play in front of my friends and family, but do it when I was in a leadership role and not 35, trying to pick up a paycheck at the end of my career. Which again, I was tired of watching old European pros come to the MLS and think that it was some retirement league. And, and I, I agreed with those sentiments back in the day, like a lot of the, all the press was saying, well, what's up with these 36 year old Europeans coming here and thinking that it's a, it's a washed up league. And, you know, I believed that I didn't want to be that. And that was 31. And, 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 and at the time I was like, okay, I'm at the prime of my career, but I want to go back and play in front of my friends and family and in the league that I came from, 
um, you know, with, with the right energy, with the right mindset. And that's when, you know, again, Vancouver was calling and saying, hey, we, we want you to not only come and be a leader in our group, we want you to be the first signing of a franchise. And so for me, that was like, whoa, okay, that's cool. That, that's a cool role. That's something that is bigger. You know, that's something I can use my experience for, you know, and again, so that for me was like, move into a leadership role. You know, they, at the time, they didn't even say I was going to be captain. At the end, they didn't bring me in to not be captain, but they just had to make sure I had proven that in our first preseason. So um, I came in, I did that. Um, uh, and in the end, that was that that became the big decision maker. It was the role was better than the opportunity to go make money somewhere and a team I didn't really want to go to. And again, I knew I had a good friend that lived here at the time. I had never been to Vancouver, um, but I came here for three days to meet the club, meet, meet the franchise, meet some of the they hadn't been signed any of the players. There were a couple that were here still um, from when they came up. And at the end of the day, it was like I, I came here for three days, saw the culture, saw the saw the opportunity met the club. And, and, and again, I was like, this is a no brainer for me. I, I'll come here. I'll move into this role and, 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 and we'll finish my career in the MLS and, and, and see it off. Right. And, and so for me, that was a natural progression. Um, but, but that really allowed me the opportunity to come to Vancouver and, and, and do what I did there. And I mean, as, as I moved into that role, I realized how difficult it is. You know what I mean? I didn't, you know, I was almost suffering from the, I could come in with a bit more ego and think that I could just walk around here because I've come from the Premier League or from the World Cup. And it's, MLS isn't that easy. It's very difficult. There's, and, and, I, and I also didn't forget about the reality of me moving into a, an expansion franchise. 25 guys that haven't played together. Me who's never been here. Me who's never played on turf. Me who's never, you know, played in the MLS before. Me who's never traveled five hours on a plane one way just to see a game and then have to travel five hours one way back and what that's like on your body and 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 and, and so the end my first season that was my, definitely my most difficult season here it was amazing I, I mean I love the empire days going in that stadium the rushes crowd the beautiful days we had on our Saturdays here the wins we had at home like that for me was still one of my favorite seasons of the four that I four and a half that I had there but it still was difficult because we didn't win one away game all year round. I got injured. I had the same groin injury three times in the same season. So I missed 20, 20, 20 some games my first season. Um, it, I was the one that was trying to answer in the media. Why does your team suck? Why are you guys losing all the away game? That falls on my shoulders, partly, you know, as the leader of that group. So, you know, it was tough. It was a tough, tough pill for me to swallow. And, and again, it killed, you know, brings in some humility or crushes the ego a little bit, which is, you know, we all need that at times. And, um, that for me was, was that first season, but it made me question how I was leading. It made me realize that, that you know, white caps aren't Watford and, and, and I can't be in the same thing. It's totally different. So I changed my mindset after that first year, started to, you know, challenge the guys like Russell Tybert and demand more from them to be better leaders or to, you know, to, to help me. And, and I took a little bit less of a leadership role and I had to do that because what I've learned about leadership roles is if you try to carry it all, or if you try to do too much, and not worry about your own performances or your own health or your own, you know, it doesn't work either. And, and so I, I, I tried too hard as a leader my first season here. And, and you know, at the end of the day, that's, that was my greatest learning experience, almost as a, as, as a leadership base. So, you know, that, but again, second season, I started to demand more from the Russell Tyberts and they were responding and doing great. And, you know, Joe Cannon and, 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 and those types of guys really stepped into more leadership roles too. And in our second season, we made the playoffs. And so for me, that, shift of season one to two was 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 a great learning experience because you know it taught me a lot about leadership and, and, and taught me a lot about how you can demand things from others 
and still demand things from yourself at the same time. And so that, that kind of really helped me with rolling into my, to the second season in our most successful season. And that was also the season where I, you know, again, I got to represent the Whitecaps at the all-star game. So I got to become the first all-star in the, from the Whitecaps. And so they, these were all goals I wanted to set when I got here, and not only being a good leader and a captain, but also to, to be one of the best players in, in America, because that's what I thought I was at the time. And again, I got to play in a world cup to show that, but you still want to prove it not only to yourself, but to others. And, 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 and those first couple of seasons really allowed me to do that. Well, clearly, whatever you said to Russell Tiber, it's worked. He's gone on to, you know, become the captain now. And he's, you know, this is the 10-year anniversary of the Caps being in the MLS. And he was there day one, and he's still there now and leading the boys. So clearly, you know, whatever you said has worked. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, it wasn't me, but, you know, we all, we all help, <laughs> help the next generation, for sure. And that's all part of mentorship and, and leadership. So, you know, again, I, I see Russell still to this day for coffee. And, you know, we, we, we make sure that, you know, he, he's, he's been the greatest servant this club's ever seen. So, you know, again, kudos to him and, and, and his ability to, um, to, to, to get what this culture is all about and to be a part of this club for so long. That opening day game against Toronto in 2011, you know, leading the team out, Empire Field, it's, you know, a historic day for Vancouver soccer. Leading the team out, and obviously you went on to get the win. Uh, what was that like for you? Just sitting there in the changing room before, get, you know, going in the tunnel and then leading the team out. What was, can you just walk us through what was going through your head that day? Um, well, that still to this day, I think, was my favorite game of all time in a white cap shirt. Um, obviously for all the ramifications of, you know, being the first signing to, you know, wanting to go out and do a good job and, and also just to get our first W under our belt, you know, as, as that was our first goal as a team. And that was the message in the locker room, you know, but that was also starting a Canadian rivalry that in the MLS, great. That's real wicked. We beat Toronto on our first time starts to give our fans some positivity, starts to give them some cred to say, hey, oh, we already beat you guys. You guys have been in the league already. Great. You know what I mean? That's good for fans. And again, you'll, those ramifications, as far as what I'm concerned, when I enter a game or the message we try to create within the locker room, that was that. It's it's first step at a Canadian rivalry here in the MLS. Let's go and get that under our belt. The W for sure was huge in our minds. And I just love that team. You know, at the end of the day, I had a good supporting cast of good players. We just didn't do enough job with our own health and our own abilities to actually come together until year two. But again, that's natural when 25 guys have never played together before. That's that, that, that was to be expected. But that game, again, those two reasons. And then also just to, to finally get our first atmosphere. And I loved the Empire Stadium with the, the metal, the metal stands. You could stomp on them if you didn't know what to chant. You could, you know, make make a bunch of noise. And, and I remember the day it was sunny. It was supposed to rain. And I remember it was sunny. All those white ponchos, literally. Well, yeah, because everyone had a poncho in their seat. And then again, it became sunny. And, and so, like, everyone had these ponchos. And then when so we score the goal, the place goes crazy. Again, Dunfield, of course, because he's from, you know, from Vancouver. Like, all, all the pieces were written, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things that, that that happens. And then, you know, at the end, when we get those those two goals and, and we know we're going to win, then the ponchos start flying. And it just created this really – you know, what, what I love, what I love soccer for is those moments where like you and the fans really get this great connection of like that day. Cause we know next week it's going to be different, 
And so everyone appreciates that day. And that's what I, one of the big things I love about sports in general, but especially about soccer culture. And, and, and on that day, you know, we all got to enjoy it. It was funny. Everyone was laughing. They're trying to pull the ponchos off the field. It looks like it was snowing. There were so many white blocks on the field. You know, and again, we knew we were going to win. So the players really enjoyed that last five, 10 minutes. You know, we didn't know we were going to win, but we were definitely in control. We were up 4-1, you know, like that kind of stuff. So it was like one of those things, that that moment. And then we, I just remember the locker room after the game. Everyone was so stoked. Um, and to my point earlier, we, we just had a good group of guys. You know, Eric Hasley was was this big Frenchman who could hardly speak English, but his talent was on show that day. Davide Chimiento was like our real mid, mid, midfield maestro, and he played awesome that day. And we had our worker bees that, that, that just really worked their butts off that day and did what we had to do. And those team performances for me, especially as the leader was what we all plan for and what we all want. And then to have it all come and then to enjoy it with the fans and the way that we did, you know, for me, that that's the true essence of, of why we do it. And, and, and so for me, that game still to this day is it was and probably still will be my favorite game of all time in a white cap shirt. Yeah, and no, I, I remember, I think it was back in, at the start of quarantine or whatever, then when they had the game on TSN, I remember watching that back. It was it was great to, to see that. I, I personally never went to the first game, Ben, ben did, yep. um, but I, I wish I could have gone. Um, Still got my poncho. I didn't throw that one. <laughs> no, no, that's a real fan. <laughs> yeah, I could sell that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. um, moving on to the next question here uh, with the Whitecaps. Um do you have any games or moments that kind of stick out apart from the first game uh, that, that you kind of hold close to your heart uh, in a white caps jersey? Uh, yeah, a couple, you know, the, especially the, um, the first playoff game, you know, when we make it to the playoffs for the first time and, and that was a big deal. Um, you know, again, anytime you can have success in a shirt is what you remember most, you know, or do things that, you know, have a profound impact on the club and, um, that's one of them making, making the playoffs again, making that shows that your team's being successful. And, and so as, as us, as, as, as the people that wanted to start a franchise from fresh, again, we're taking old parts and turning them new. And it's not like the club didn't exist, but at the end of the day, it still took to get better than 15 other teams in that league to, to get there. So, you know, for us, that, for me, though, that moment, like playing in a playoff game was huge. Um, I still think we would have beat the galaxy down in LA if we, if, if, uh, a couple couple things in that game would have gone better because um, we, we again we had a good team uh, that, that first couple of years for me was the best Whitecaps team in my opinion so far um, just because of the parts we had uh, the leadership we had um, you know I, I, I think you know when you get proven professionals in a bunch of different ways and you put them in a group again Whitecaps have done a, a good job of trying to find some of these diamonds in the rough from all over the world and we found a couple but for the most part, they've kind of gone away from like the pillars of leadership, like Joe Cannon, Jay Demerit, John Thornton, Terry Dunfield, a couple of young pros like Russell, bringing a guy like, again, one of these diamonds in the rough, like a Camilo, and he actually hits and works really well. You get the playmakers like Davide, who have European experience, you get this whole idea, you know what I mean? And I think they, they, they really worked well in the first couple of years. And then they tried to mimic that. And, and because of what either the player they thought was going to be the leader didn't come in and lead. It was the player they thought was going to be the unearthed diamond didn't have 30 goals in a season. You know what I mean? Like all those pieces haven't really fit since then, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you still need them. You still need them. And I think that, that those white caps performances really had them. Um, and then I think 
maybe the end was the, the last couple seasons that I had were, were, were pretty profound. Some of the Seattle games, like going to Seattle and winning. And I remember just this core little group of Whitecap fans up in that top little corner they put them in, 55,000 up there. And we get to go to the corner of that field and chant with them and do the stuff. You know, again, in a team like like a huge rival like, like Seattle, you know, though I remember those performances that are at Seattle's, you know, in front of the big crowds and and doing the thing. That was the, that was one of my major moments in a Whitecap shirt um, with that with a couple groups that went down there and did well. Which, which again, the Whitecaps have played pretty well down in Seattle. And that's, that's always fun to go to somebody else's big rivalry stadium and, 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 and take W's. And that, that was always uh, a good thing to, that I really enjoyed in, in, the, in the cap shirt. Um, and I think lastly, like lifting the, uh, I don't even know what it's called. It's not called the Cascadia Cup anymore, but it's the League Cup. Or, or not the League Cup, the, the Sea to Sky Corridor Cup. I think like, it's still the Cascadia. I think it's still, is it still the Cascadia. Yeah. yeah. I thought they changed it. And it's not the Vo- Was it the Voyagers first? Now that's Cascadia. And, I don't know. I can't remember. But um, either way, that was because you, when you any, the last thing you want to do when you go anywhere or a team you want to be in is, is is lift lift trophies. You know, at the end of the day, we play because we want to win too. Um, it's not the only reason we play, but um, we play because we want to lift trophies as players. And and so to lift those, um, I think we we had two two or three in the four years I was there even if it's a small rivalry it just shows something you connect the fans on it's something you can create a connection with with the, uh, the players and the fans and the community of the club and that's what those trophies are important for and and and, and for me that was to lift that a couple times and to be a part of it uh, on that deeper level for me was uh, what was also really gratifying in a white cap shirt um, getting a little bit general here with the questions, um, but with more and more young players going from the U.S. to Europe, how do you feel the ceiling is now for American players and the opportunities that they have? Because we're seeing you know, more and more players go over to the championship and succeed, go to the Premier League and Bundesliga and wherever else from Canada, America, uh, everything else. So what do you feel like it was um, compared to when you were playing and when you were growing up and looking for those opportunities? Um, I, I mean, I would say it's hugely different. I, I mean, mainly just because of the net, as we talk about, you know, when I was eight, 19, the net was massive. You know, I, there's all sorts of places you could fall through, you, you know what I mean? And, you know, there wasn't a, a three-tiered professional system in America that actually people cared about. There wasn't a PDL league where developmental players would have a real shot to play for their local clubs. You know, there wasn't a CPL that could actually feed people from, you know, PDL straight to Pacific United from there to the white caps. You know what I mean? Like there's a major funnel now to how you get to that end. But the hard part is that I think that the, the systems have created a net where only a couple get caught and they're not giving the couple that might still have developmental needs like myself at that time, I would have been spit out of the system or I would have been brought into it. You know, it still takes somebody to go, I am better than that. I want to go make it happen on my own. You know, I don't think there's enough players that do that anymore or ever. You know, there's a reason why Rise and Shine is a story that is into documentary and why I'm on podcasts is why people don't really do it. And I don't really understand why as much. I think there should be more stories like mine. There very is, there's not many. And so, you know, that's always my first question to question what goes on in these environments. Like, why aren't there more? There should be, there should be. Part of it is the net. And part of it is the individual that's willing to take it on. 
And so I think we, we, on both sides of that ball, we can do a better job. We should have more kids with confidence. Again, that's been taken out of them by the systems, by the programs. So, oh, sorry, at 14, sorry, you didn't make it. You're not good enough. And then the kid's like, okay, fine. I believe you. I'm not good enough. And then they're just going to be upset that they didn't make it instead of, you know, having more of an ability to take things on ourselves. But then the systems also, because they are so good, because they are so around now, you do get up and you get, if you're any good, you do get picked up in a system. So, you know, I just think that the system could do a better job of creating more of a holistic person. So it's not just the one, one, one percent that makes it, you know what I mean? There's more of a system and a feeder system to high performance. And again, that's why I do with my youth programs. Now I just create a better path to high performance. If you make it to pro great, good job. You're the one, <laughs> but you shouldn't have to make it to pro and then, or not make it to pro. And then all of a sudden have mental health issues, not have any skills, not how to take care of yourself, you know, cause all these programs have taught you that's all you can be. I disagree with that. And, and, and so, you know, that's kind of where my head goes now when I talk about this type of subject. It's like, I, I wish players had more ability to be well-rounded or, or at least to learn how to be. And I wish the programs did a better job of creating that, but there is opportunity out there. There is a much bigger net to keep pushing if you want to. And, and so I think I encourage more 18, 19, 20 year olds to try. Now that the levels are here, Again, you can go to Pacific United. You can, if you don't make the Whitecaps and you get kicked out of that system at 14, great. Go to Pacific, go down to PDL, go over to USL, somewhere else, go play for Chattanooga, down in Tennessee. I don't know, but I know there's opportunity there, a lot more than I had. And so I always encourage people to go and explore those options too. For sure. And I think a lot of people sometimes forget even the Alfonso Davies story. Like he wasn't playing at a very high level team uh, when when he first got scouted by the Whitecaps. And you could just imagine like all those kids playing at his level that may also have the same amount as of potential as he. So, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. No, it's, a, it's an incredible point. It's so true, right? And, and again, are they capable to make the decision at 14? Maybe not. That's why I think it's the program's job to keep them and to make them give them those opportunities and you can watch them grow or keep them in a setup where maybe they're not playing for the first team, but they come in and train and then they go to school or maybe they come in and train and they go work. You know what I mean? And then, but then their skill set keeps growing. And then all of a sudden at 17, like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to bring you back into the first team and we're going to play you again. Even though you've had two jobs of work experience and you've, you've hung out with other people that have nothing to do with sports. Great. Good job. That's good for your development too. But there's none of that in, in sports now, none of it in any high performance program. So, you know, that's really where my mind goes is how you can fix it or how I can take a, you know, 250 foot view and, and actually look at it and, 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 under, and understand why. Why aren't there more people going living to those dreams? And why aren't more and more people making it in that way? So, you know, it's a, it's a good topic of conversation, no doubt. Um, just moving on now uh, to kind of more general questions. Um, I remember in 2014, uh, you conceded two penalties in the air in two separate games against San Jose and Seattle. Um, I, I, I think those penalties shouldn't have been given. Um, now with VAR in the game, do you think those penalties would have still been given or what, what's kind of your take on VAR? The Seattle one, no. Uh, that was the one last minute of the game, penalty box, penalty spot. Yeah, and I just jumped right yeah. over. Will. I Against remember Cam Weaver in the air. Yeah, Cam Weaver, and he, yeah, and, he, and I just jumped right over him. I, I think VAR would have shown that and shown me not touch him. Um, but again, the ref's angle couldn't have seen that at the time. 
And, and again, there's some embellishment there from, from big cam. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but again, I, I think VAR also helps with embellishment too, to show that I didn't, you don't touch him. And I remember famously saying after that game, because it was the second one, I think the first one was just, that's discretion. That was, that was, that was a ref making a decision. He thought that, you know, again, because nobody ever said that I wasn't a physical player. You know, I, I, I'll take that to the bank all day long. And you take, by being a physical player, you take that risk. But that reward of like, you know, VAR, it's not working. That's for sure. There's as much discrepancy in reps call with, with VAR as as much without it over the last couple of years, for sure. You know, I, there's as much controversy as any other call I've ever seen in football history. You know, mm -hmm. really. And, and it's still to this day, every day, every week in Champions League, there's a VAR discrepancy. There's all sorts of rules. It's all over the place. And I think they've done a horrible job in, in, in implementing it. Um, but the first one, the first penalty I remembered was, was a bit of a, yeah, I guess you can call it. I don't agree with it. But the second one, no way. Um, and, then, and then in the end, I remember saying famously, and this was also part of my time, I was 34 and thinking about retiring, is if I can't do that, if I can't go up and go above somebody and win it, I got to get out of here. <laughs> the game's the game's a different place you know what i mean and, and, and there's a think of any pro that plays the game like they've always done and then they start to see the new game come through yeah and the new games you know I, again i think there's always a place for an aggressive competitive center back that wants to talk and you know wants to organize his group and be a leader out there that was me you know what i mean i wasn't a, a skillful guy that liked to touch it out of the back and play left yard left diagonals for 40 yards and make the game look really pretty that wasn't me and, 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 you know, as center backs came in at the end of my career, that's what they were looking like. They were 6'4". They didn't really like contact. They loved the ball at their feet. You know what I mean? That was kind of the, the next generation of center back. And you see them all the time. They all play for national teams now. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with them. But the, I, I started to realize that if I'm going to be the aggressive guy, that embellishment is, is going to fail and some guy is going to do this and I'm going to get a call, then I, I'm not in, I shouldn't be in the game anymore. And it's funny that, that that's kind of those, I remember that back-to-back -back penalty thing. It's funny you point that out. Where really when I started to question, like, I'm at the end of my career. I got a blown Achilles. I can hardly jump anymore. Like maybe, the, and again, if I'm trying to use my, my mind and my body position and my experience, you know, I'm still getting penalty calls on me. Like maybe, maybe I got to start looking at it. And, and that, that's when I really, I, I really did. And, um, and then literally a couple games later, the next season, I, I, I ruptured my second tendon in my ankle, same ankle as my Achilles. And mm -hmm. that's why I, I put my hand up then. Cause I'd already had these thoughts in my head. And then now all of a sudden I don't have another ligament in my ankle and it's time to say thank you and, and go away. <laughs> and that's kind of how, how my, uh, the end of my career, uh, ended up happening but uh, again you know it wasn't like I was angry I, I I was so thankful for the for the and fortunate to, to get to you know experience what I, I was able to experience in my career I have 10 years that's a whole decade of, of experiences and in two to three different countries and 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 you know get play against the best players and lead teams and be captain and do all these great things and in the end playing a world cup and for your country that this type of thing you can't really take away from anybody and that's when you know, for me, I never got angry. I just said, thank you. Um, speaking of that World Cup, uh, just, you know, it's every kid's dream to represent their country, go to the biggest stage in the world at the World Cup. In a nutshell, what, what was that like for you? Just pulling on that US jersey? And, you know, you've done it several times before. You went pretty far in the Confederations Cup a few years earlier, but 
what was what's just different about the World Cup than everything else you've played in? Um, well, I think the number one thing that's different is you actually feel like the world's watching. Mm-hmm. You know, like you go play against Manchester United at Old Trafford, like you know the world's watching. But Aston Villa fans are watching Aston Villa, Chelsea fans are watching Chelsea, and you you know that Man United fans are watching and Watford fans are watching. You play in a World Cup, like you know the world is watching because it's the only game that's on. And might be maybe a couple depends on the stage, but otherwise it's, there's a lot of other people that are, might be watching a different game because in the group stages there might be a little bit, but for the most part it's the only thing. And everyone's watching it. And USA England again for us was the big marquee matchup for for that that World Cup, and that was our first game. So for me, like prepping it, not to mention playing against the country that gave me my life in a, as a professional soccer player, for me had extra circumstances, extra awesomeness. And 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 for me, it was just this. And then I got to play against Wayne Rooney, who was Premier League Player of the Year that year for Man U. And I played the best game I ever played in my life against the best player in the world. And, and so for me, that moment, not only the number one moment was hand on heart, hearing your national anthem and know that you're one of the 11 that got picked to, to play in that pressure and to enjoy that experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said in the beginning, to understand what that meant, because it literally is, as you said, the biggest sporting tournament and where everyone knows and everyone watches. And it's the only time in every four years that it actually happens. You know what I mean? Especially in America and North America at the time where it's the only time they really watch soccer all the time. And that was at the World Cup. So that's the kind of idea uh, and that, that that kind of World Cup coolness for me. And like that whole this is bigger than everybody and definitely bigger than you attitude. So just go out and enjoy it, but also do it with a hand on your heart and, and feel really privileged for it was, was, was for me what the World Cup was all about. And then we ended up winning our group for the first time and doing things that we hadn't done before as a, as a, as a group and as a country. So, you know, to end it the way that we did. And, and, and again, that, that, that really unearthed the opportunity for me to come to Vancouver. So again, I look at the World Cup as, as very much, uh, you know, again, the greatest experience you could ever have on a soccer field. And what was it like to see uh, Landon Donovan score that winner against Algeria? Oh, I mean, again, the full elation and, and the, the backstory to that game is I have a, I had a cut, yeah. a third, like a third minute, I got cut like mm-hmm. halfway down my tongue perpendicular. So again, I had a huge, my tongue was hanging in half for 90, 90 minutes of that game. So what I remember most is I got to get through this. I got to keep playing, keep doing your job, spit blood. You got to keep going. <laughs> give it a, you got to get through this, spit blood. Here's your mark. This is your thing. Do your job, spit blood. So I just did that over and over and over again. That's what I remember about Algeria. And then I remember about that, that oh my God, like seeing that whole buildup. It's like, I remember like I was going up for the ball with Tim Howard. He calls me off. He grabs it, throws it down the right side, landed on him. And I see him. And again, he's open. He's, in, he's got a lot of space because the game was so wide open at the time. 92nd minute, both of us going for that win because we both would have won our group if we won the game. So it got really open. And I just remember going, oh, no, oh, he's got it. Oh, and then it's like, you know, off the keeper, gets it back, puts it in the corner. And, and, and I just remember running all the full way down the field. It was a 90-second minute, so I knew it was the last kick. So I run the whole way down, do a somersault over the dog pile in the corner by the corner flag. And, um, and then I just remember thinking, oh, my God. I think I can go get my tongue stitched up now. <laughs> and, and, and again, that's what happened. And certainly literally as the ball was kicked, the game was over and we have our big celebration. And I'm like, I cannot wait to stop this mouth. I can't wait to just go stop spitting blood and going to see my physio who's putting like these big globs of like, 
uh, Vaseline. Like he'd go and like every 10 minutes, I'd have to go there and he would put like, go, like this, like, like Neosporin type, like Vaseline and just chunk it in there. So I'm just like swallowing that with blood. Like it was just awful. Like the experience of that, but, but then the elation on top of that, again, made it all like that awesome moment of like what you have to go through to get to where you want to get to. And that was just a really 92nd version of that metaphor. <laughs> um, just finally, uh, tell us what you've been up to since retirement. You know, you've uh, you made a movie of your career. You've uh, started up several camps and organizations. So just to kind of tell, dive in a little bit more. You can kind of self-promote yourself here. What have you been yeah. up to in your life? Well, I mean, the movie, the movie was awesome because it wasn't, you know, it was a Kickstarter project in 2011, which again, that wasn't me. That was somebody that approached me about the project. And again, just like you approached me about a, a podcast, hey, your story is cool. You should tell it. That's kind of how the right, how that's happened. You know, I, I just finished the world cup. I got approached by these two guys who were like, Hey, we think your story is awesome. Um, we want to make a movie out of it. I was like, okay, I can set up the interviews. That's cool. Um, and that's all I did. But then in the end, you have thousands of donors that donate $223,000 in your behalf in a month, you know, 70 days was the campaign at the time, you know, you had to pay for a minute of footage from FIFA is $50,000 a minute. So if you're going to make a documentary, that's any good, you got to buy the footage. So that put the, the production to over $200,000. So I'm like, okay, well, if you guys need me to help, I'll just, you know, again, they created a whole new campaign and I didn't have much to do with it, but the end of the day, what I did have to do with it was that when, when I saw thousands of people that I've never met giving their money to the project to make it into a movie, that empowered me to know that the story was bigger, that the story is way bigger than me. And, and Rise and Shine is a, is a mentality first. And, and, and so for me, I needed to be the vehicle of that. I, I, you know, again, these, this wasn't like people were giving me three bucks. Like they were, people I'd never met were giving me a thousand and it wasn't me, they were giving me, but they were giving the product thousand dollars of their own money and i'm thinking to myself like that person really cares they must i don't care how rich you are if you're going to give a thousand dollars of your personal wealth to, to to a story you better damn well go out and tell it and so that for me was my empowerment moment to kind of how i was going to spend the rest of my days uh, and, and that's that and that's to, i take rise and shine as a rise and shine is now a music festival that's a charity music festival it's a charity uh it's a youth program for teenagers and so i've built that over the last six years um, I run a youth program in the summer. I, I'm building an app now, right now with EA that gamifies the learning. So we take masterclass type lessons and mentorship, but we gear them towards Gen Z and teenagers. And, and, and so now, and then, and then we practice whatever it is that those people preach. So again, imagine if you're a soccer player, you can learn a soccer lesson from me, but if you want to take a, how to make the power smoothie from the Canucks nutritionist, you can do that now. You can set up your phone and put in the carrots and the spirulina and say to that Canucks physio, good job, I just made it. And so now we're taking the program and that's this holistic learning program with mentors in all fields from Canucks physios to hockey players to EA engineers to CEOs from companies. I built this program to, to 70 mentors now, a thousand kids now over the last six years. And ultimately we teach a holistic version and, and, and at the end of the day, a mindset called rise and shine. And, 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 and so I teach that now the youth has really become a real focus of, of, of how I can give my, give back from my story and, 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 and actually use it to do something that's bigger than you. And, and again, I've always had that mentality of something that's built inside me. And, and again, it's something that I practice every day and I know it's for me the right way that I need to live my purpose. And so that that's been a big thing that I've done since, since stopping playing. 
um, again, because it is a lot of those things, you know, it's, it's a, it's a music festival. You have to plan a music festival. It doesn't take an afternoon, you know, it takes a team, it takes people, it takes a vision. And then we use that as the fundraiser to pay for uh, deserving kids to come, come to the camps for free. And so it really becomes this whole ecosystem. So building that really has taken a lot of my time. Um, I've done a couple entrepreneurial projects, things in the startup world. Again, I come from a design background, a creative background. So, you know, getting involved in creative projects has always been a part of my uh, part of my jam. Uh, I got a five-year-old uh, and then a little 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 blonde named Oaks. He's awesome. Um, so I spend a lot of time with him. And uh, yeah, just stay busy, you know, as anyone that understands my mindset, I'm always doing something and I'm always trying to create something or trying to do something like that. So, you know, again, it's just, just who I am and something I really enjoy. So I'm definitely staying busy. Whoever said retirement was supposed to be boring is it, it certainly didn't meet me. So <laughs> I just, you know, sometimes you wish like, you know, again, the old pros always tell you when you play soccer, it's okay. One day you're going to look back and think that getting up and going to training and going home actually is the best thing you could ever do. And I say that now to players too, because it is, and you make, you got to make the most of your career. And thankfully I did that. But you know, when I talk to Russell, I, I tell him take every day, every training session you can. And because one day it's going to be over and you're going to have to fend for yourself. And uh, um, you know, again, learning to do that has been a great challenge for me. Learning to do that has been uh, super fun for me too. But at the end of the day, you know, being a, being a professional soccer player for 10 years was, is the ultimate privilege. And, and, and uh, you know, I really enjoyed that time. And now I use my time to speak about it and, and to talk to, you know, guys just like you um, who hopefully want to do the same thing in your life and, and rise and shine in your way. And, and, and that for me is my greatest uh, future. That's for me is, 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 is what, I'm, what I do now every day and, and look forward to doing more of it. Jay, it's great to see that you're doing a load of great things. Uh, you're an inspiration to everyone across the Lower Mainland, every Whitecaps fan. Uh, just before we wrap up here, though, uh, we're going to ask you three rapid-fire questions. Uh, we call it the big three here on 90 Plus Podcast. So whenever we have a player or a guest on, uh, we ask them uh, the coolest team they've played against, the coolest player they've shared the field with, and the best, most memorable match of your career. So uh, without further ado, just... Just dive in, give us some rapid fire answers to those three. Okay. So what first one was coolest player I played against? Yeah. Or coolest uh, team, coolest team you played against. Uh coolest team I played against. Uh Mexico, Azteca Stadium, Mexico City, oh, World wow. Cup qualifier, eighty-six thousand people in fifteen thousand foot elevation against a team that despises losing against you. And in a, in a cathedral like the Azteca Stadium, Azteca, yeah. the second or third, third biggest stadium in the world and has an incredible history, um, that was my favorite. Uh, number two, one. favorite player I played with? Or shared the field with, like so yeah. someone you idolized growing up, but you got um, to play against, something like that. Uh, David Beckham. I got to play against, or sorry, I played against him a couple times for the Galaxy um and also in england and stuff like that so david beckham but the game was playing with him because i got to play in the all-star game in philadelphia mm, yeah. with him Thierry henry Dwayne de rosario um landon donovan again these are guys i played with in the u.s side but to play with those other superstars and then for us to win we beat chelsea 3-2 in that chelsea. game in philadelphia um for me, it was, it was, it was Bex. Bex is for me, the greatest role model the game's ever seen. Uh, he's a guy that's kept it classy, kept it cool. He works his ass off. He's nice to people. He shakes all the hands. He takes all the pictures. He does all the work. And, and to be a true ambassador for this game, 
And so I think playing, playing with him, someone that I've admired my whole, my whole life um, was, was extra special. And then uh, what's the third one? Third one is best or most memorable match of your career. Uh, most memorable match. Again, the one I've, I've talked about on this podcast was us England 2010 world cup, South Africa. Um, again, it just, it was just the game that really culminated all of it, you know, to get to the highest of high, to have your family in the stands, to know that you're representing, um, you know, your country at the, at the highest level when the world is watching against the team that, you know, gave you your professional life. For me, there was, there's no greater moment uh, than that. Well, with the big three answered and a lot of chatting through the way, Jay, thank you very, very much for coming on. Really look forward to it and you absolutely delivered. Thank you very much. It's been a really awesome chat. I'm sure Sebastian will say the same, but yeah, we appreciate you coming on. And unless you've got anything else you want to, you know, spit towards our, our listeners, we thank you for coming on 90 plus. Well, as anyone knows, and as anyone who watches any of these, I like to talk. So again, thanks for allowing me to, sh to share my story. And uh, again, love what you guys are up to. Keep up the good work. You know, you guys really help uh, make this game more beautiful. And we need more people like you guys that want to talk about the game, want to want to get get things out of players like myself and, and, and what we got out of the game. So again, kudos to you guys and, and keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Jay. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Cool. We'll talk to you soon, guys. Cheers. All right. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. That was our interview with Jay Demerit. We hope you guys enjoyed. It's always a uh, treat bringing on guests to the 90 Plus podcast, uh, especially former players and you know people that went on to have careers like Jay Demerit. It's always cool for us to talk to as well. Now, um, one last little piece of business. The Whitecaps have released their new kit. The hoop is back. There was a little bit of debate and a little bit of worry that they'd be getting rid of the hoop. But no, it's here. It's staying for at least another two years. So it's, I, I like it. It's, there isn't a whole lot of change. They got, I like the light blue trimming. Really, realistically, the only changes are a little bit more light blue and it's not the fancy collar. Um, which a lot of teams, a lot less teams are opting for now. So it was a bit of a weird moved to go for it two years ago but yeah I, I i like the light blue i like i like the little changes they've done overall though it's pretty much the same as before and i think i like the old kit so i'm gonna like this one yeah i, I think what they did with the hoop jersey from two years ago when they first released it was, it was more of like a retro type of kit yeah and then this hoop jersey is more of like a modern type hoop kit Ooh. yeah that's kind of that's kind of the thing that i i've come up with the theory i've come up with here but yeah. uh but um, I, I really like this hoop jersey. I, I think I like it a lot more than the old hoop jersey. Uh, I'm more of a fan of the more modern collar, yeah. the more typical collar. I wasn't too big of a fan on the of the uh, old-fashioned collar and the other one. But I did like both of them. But this one for me, it just has a lot more uh, a lot more of a modern look to it that I really like. Um, the the hoop outlines uh, at the top and the bottom, the light blue, they are actually just the light blue in the old one it was more of like a combination of dark blue and light blue yeah. that formed the outsides but now it's just like painted on as a light blue stripe which i really like uh and you got like the red numbers as well on the back still which yeah. i mean and keeping the reds which are i like i, I like yeah. it looks nice yeah i saw some people saying that they weren't the biggest fan i 
and I think a big thing for them was watching it on the TV. They, it was difficult to tell by like the names and the numbers. Um, so the names are now light blue. The numbers are still red. But however, the hoop doesn't go all the way back around, mm. which I think was causing the most confusion. Um, it only it stops when it gets to like halfway, like around your. I was going to say hips. So I guess your hips yeah. go all the way around. I think um, the I think the, yeah. <laughs> I think what happened last year was like since MLS kind of changed their font for the jerseys. Mm-hmm. It was even harder to see because the font is now really thin. Yeah. Uh, and if if you look at the the hoop jersey when they released it back in 2019 with the old MLS font, it, like you could tell like the player on the like the number and the name of, on on the back of the jersey. But last year was a little bit more difficult because of the font change, um, mm-hmm. and I think they had to obviously remove the hoop from the backs in order to like use the red and make it a lot more visible for people. But I like it. I, if I if I were to change one thing. It is I expected something like a little tag or something saying like 10th anniversary season yeah. in MLS. That would have like that would have been sick. But I, I thought they were going to go with something like that for the jersey, but we still haven't seen anything like that. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that was kind of the one thing that I thought was missing. Most of these jerseys that we're about to review are our first time looking at them. So it's going to be our raw initial reactions here. Do you have the list up, Seb? You ready to go? Yeah, these are all the endless, these are all the endless jerseys that have been released this year. So in a quick yay or nay, five second reaction. Oh, what, uh, what, what grade would you give the the hoop jersey, Ben? Oh, grade. Oh, I'm gonna say out since it's not too. Oh, you know, like grade. That's a rating. Um, <laughs> I would say the rating I'm giving it. I'd say it's a seven because it's nice. It's it's just not too different from like the 2019 one. And like, fair enough, you want to keep the hoop you can still make some other changes. Um, but I did like the original hoop design. So I'm, I'm going to keep it as a seven. It's not too different, but it's, it's still a design that's pretty safe and that I like. So I'm going for a seven. I'm going to go nine. Oh, I, I, I really, I really liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start on our list here. MLS jerseys. As we wrap this little intro part up, San Jose, it's too much blue. I'm not the biggest fan. I wish they used more black. Um, I'm not too big of a fan. Not a yay, not a nay. I, for me, I kind of like this one because it kind of throws it back to the 2002 days of Landon Donovan. Mm-hmm. So I get what they were trying to do here. It was inspired um, by the 2001 MLS Cup Championship. 2001, and yeah. Very close. I, I, I like <laughs> it. It's, it's a change. I mean, the, the, the black... And blue combo for San Jose was really nice, but I like the change. There's okay. not like too many, like, I guess nowadays there's not too many like straight up colored jerseys in MLS now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now there's like more like black and white type of jerseys. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that they went for the change and they were like, you know what, let's just go all blue. Um, so yeah, I, I like this one. I think I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it an eight. I like it. An eight. Damn, you're yeah. going to feel it tonight. <laughs> um, okay, next up, the Revs, their uh, Tribute 21 uh, community kit. I'm not too sure if it's just like my picture being a little bit blurry or whatever, but I'm. it seems very bland. Is there like an actual like red stripe or is that just my computer glitching out? No, nah, there's no red stripe. Okay, I guess it's my computer. It's, is it literally, if it's just literally plain white, I'm... Well, there's like a little design on there. It's like, fa- it's like a fabric design, but it's not like a, it's just like... Yeah. Hey, this is too in depth. I'm not a fan. Is is there's not it's just genuinely mostly plain white. So yeah. not too big a fan. What rating do you give it? 
rating, oof, five, minimal. Mm. You can be minimalistic, and it can look better than that. So I'm giving it a five. Uh, I'm going to go with a two. A two, okay. So yeah. you're really one extreme or the other. Uh, okay, we have done one. the white caps kit. The Columbus Crew kit, I like. The Ooh. white with, like, the gray, I really like the sort of, um, not, like, I don't even know what pattern you'd call they're that. Call, they're calling it, like, it, it's, it's inspired by the architecture of their new stadium. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool And I, I like that it's, like, white, gray, and black. Like, that's, like, a cool color scheme. And, and the yellow on the collar. Yellow on the collar, too. I like that. I'm giving that an eight. That's solid. Okay. Okay. I I, I'm going to give... You know, I'm, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give this one an eight as well. I mean, okay. I, I thought the crew were going to go again for, like, their yellow jerseys. Yeah. So except this year, like, I mean, for the next two years, we probably won't be getting a, a yellow crew jersey because they're yeah. so iconic. But I really like the design of this one. I think it goes well, as you said, with, like, the the design on the, on the jersey with the uh, architectural-inspired uh, message there. And, you know, the, the yellow collar, the yellow highlights on the collars I really like. That's really nice. So, yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay, FC Dallas, this light baby, boo, baby blue kit. Blue. Um, I'm not too sure of how I feel about it. It's not very FC Dallas-esque, I guess. It's I know it's a bit of a cha- – it looks like a training jersey almost. Like it's generally just the logo, the sponsor, Adidas, and light blue, which is just different for me. I'll give it – a like a low six <laughs> like it's just like, very like training jersey vibes does this give you like chelsea vibes loki it gives me like chelsea away in like 2014 vibes <laughs> when like they tried i don't know if it was, it was around then they did this like weird like very light blue kit and it just like was like too much black for chelsea so no <laughs> so no uh, for this thing. one for this one i'm gonna go I'm gonna go seven. Okay. I could I could see six though for sure. I could, I might say six as well. Um, I I I like the light blue, but it's it's just kind of like playing a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you would have thought Dallas would have gone with like something more like dark blue instead of like yeah. a light blue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's okay. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a seven six. The the Bronx blue New York city FC kit. I really like it. It's got the yeah. little bit of the stripes. Like, um, like there's like five, it's, it's sort of similar to like the, uh, uh, the new Atlanta kit where it's like got like the faded stripes in it of like the different colors of light blue. I like it. It's very like man city, but obviously they're owned by the same company. So it probably will be, um, I'll give it a seven. It's pretty, it's a seven and a half. Like, it's nice. It's it's pretty, like, basic, but it's, like, a good basic jersey. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a seven as well. Um, it's kind of similar to the jersey they brought out in their inaugural season. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the yeah. touch, though, of the of the stripe, the faded, the faded stripes and, like, the NYC logo, the faded mm-hmm. NYC logos. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. It's just kind of, like, it's typical NYCFC, you know what I mean, like, Inter Miami, I you can't not give this a ten. I think the black and the pink is so filthy. It looks so nice. The little touches of light blue in there too. It's a little different. The light blue. Um, I don't know if that's supposed to represent something or whatever, but I just straight up from looking at it, the black and the pink just goes. I like it. Uh, that's an eight and a half for me. It's pretty similar to their old jersey. I but thought like, you were gonna give it a ten. You said how can you not give this a ten out of ten? Okay, well we'll go for a nine. You can't. 
a high compromise. <laughs> that's a that's a nice jersey. Yeah, and we were just we were just waiting for like Inter Miami to bring out like the typical Adidas with the three stripes Over on the, the shoulder type of jersey because last year we got like the three stripes with the special like twenty fifth MLS season type of design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't like that nice, but this one is super cool. I really like this one. It's it says Inter Miami like all around the jersey with the with the palms as well. Uh, yeah. I, I like it. Ten out of ten for me. Minnesota United's river kit. I think it's very similar to what they've worn in the past. I do like the kit just because it's similar doesn't mean I don't like it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. What do you think of this? Like a strong seven, like a seven and a half, I'd say. It's nice. It's the, I like the light blue from Minnesota. Um, but yeah, it's plain and it's pretty similar to what they wore, have worn before. Oh, I don't, I don't know what to give this one yet. Because um, yeah. if this were like a light blue, and I don't know if this is like part of the lighting that they've had in the photo shoots and the images I've seen, but like in some in some of the photos, I see that's like more of like a, a saturated blue, which I would really like to see. Okay. But in some other photos, I've seen like a really light blue. Mm-hmm. So if it's like a really saturated blue, I like it because it's like a color that's like really out there. Um, and it would be like pretty cool to just have like a really sharp light blue kit out there. But if it's a more of like a light blue, I mean, it's kind of like typical of what we've seen in the past with MLS jerseys. So uh, I'm going to give this one a seven. I think it's nice, though. I like I like I like it. Yeah. Um, Atlanta United's this is nice. The five stripes down the middle, the all black with the red and gold. That's, it's, a cha- it's a change for Atlanta for sure. It's, but... it's a change, but it really worked for them. So I'm going to give mm-hmm. that a nine. I really like that kid a lot. Yeah, I'm going to give it – I really – I was a fan of, like, the typical, like, five stripes, like, like the typical striped shirts. But I think it's a nice change for Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. they're it's able very to, like, yeah to explore, they're able to explore uh, a, a new a new uh color in the primary jersey with black so um yeah i i, I like it i'm gonna go with a seven yeah okay uh nashville's vibe Ooh, two jersey. this one's nice i, I like one. it i like the dark it's a sick color scheme they've got going on in Nashville. like the the sort of like colorful not it's not quite gold it's more like a yellowy sort of thing with the like dark like very dark purple sort of thing going on it's a really nice color scheme that they've got going on and it looks good on the kit as well so i'm gonna give that an eight i'm gonna gonna go 10 out of 10 with this one because you know what you know what respect it because if you if you take a quick look at the jersey there's like the the n logos on the jersey that like that are on the actual nashville sc logo and that to me like represents like what a kit should be like every kit should have like their own identity for every single team you know what i mean so um i really like this kit that's why like because it has like the the n of nashville imprinted on the jersey um mm-hmm. and also the colors the color scheme is sick as well so yeah i really like this one 10 out of 10 for me uh we'll do chicago's together so you're gonna give a rating com- like combined for both of them um the home one not the biggest fan it's real it's like dark you can barely see the logo the white one's actually pretty sick with the light blue. I really like that white one now that I'm looking at it a bit closer. Um, combined, I'll go for a six. It's dragged down, though, because of that weird, way too dark home jersey. Yeah, I'm going to go with a six as well. I mean, they're, they're both nice kits, I'd say, but they're just really similar to what they had last year. Um, mm-hmm. they, they did end up having two new kits last year as well because of the rebrand they had. And now, again, this year they have two new kits as well. So it's just it's just kind of like 
the same old, just different, a little bit, a little bit of differences here and there. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go with a six, but they're they're overall decent kits, I'd say. FC Cincinnati, the dark blue with the little bit of orange touches in there. You're shaking your head. I quite like this. I'm giving. I'm gonna go give this about a seven or so. It's 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 a it's orange is a hard color to work with. So I'll give them credit there. I think they did a pretty good job. I don't know. I mean, this is uh, this is like the fourth home kit FC Cincinnati have had in their MLS history, and they they should have only had like three at this stage, I think, <laughs> or two. I don't no, know. They've, they've had like they've had problems with their home kits down in Cincinnati. Like they can't decide on. They have problems kit. with everything down. In Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to give them something. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm not like the biggest fan of this one. Uh, the collar I find a little bit weird. Um, I don't know. It's okay. it, I, I I I can see what they were trying to do, but for me, it's just not it. Just not my taste. Uh, I'm gonna go with like a four for this one. Uh. Okay. The galaxy weird green, black, and now you're saying, yeah, I'm saying no on this one. What really? Wearing the galaxy is green, and like this, it's not even green. It's like aqua. Like it just doesn't belong on a kit. It's it's something that like a ten year old would make when he's boarding. You know those like kit design companies that like um, (laughs) obviously one of them, our sponsor, Icarus FC, that make awesome kits. Um, But yeah, I just feel like it's something that like I don't know. I just don't like the aqua for la galaxy the aqua gold and black with the white touches it's it's just not doing it for me do you do you know why they brought this out though oh god why sebastian (laughs) it's a throwback kit because back in the day they used to wear black and green stripes jerseys my lack of knowledge of mls history bite me in the ass here um (laughs) even still like even if it is a throwback i'm just not a fan it's just not a fan okay Okay. I, I like um, it. I like it. For me, 10 out of 10. I don't need to say 10 out of 10. Yeah. Sebastian, I've complimented your style in other episodes before. <laughs> Gotta take that down a match. Okay, we're really running on time here. So we're going to buzz through these last few. Portland Timbers kit. I really like it. The two shades of green with a touch of gold in there. I'm a big fan. I'm going to give that an eight. I'm going to go with a seven on this one. The TikTok sponsor is just not That's it cool. for me. Oh, I like the TikTok. It's just not it for me. Okay, Montreal's <laughs> the new rebrand, the weird snowflake design or whatever. It's yeah, I don't know. I like I've said before, I like the black and the blue, but it not on this one. This is a five for me. Not not hitting it. Uh, I'm gonna give this one a six. I don't like Montreal's rebrand. I think no, no they no. really they they I don't know what they were trying to do with the rebrand. Impact Montreal was really cool, um, but I do like the fact that the the snowflake design is imprinted on the jerseys. Yeah, that's the Give, one thing that gives. Gives the, the jersey the identity it needs, but it's it's just kind of like, meh. meh. I'm going to give it a six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, New York's kit, very similar to what they've worn every year. The faded check pattern is really the only difference that I can really see. Uh, like a six, like minimalistic, not really trying, just throwing something on there with the checks. So, yeah, six for me. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. I, I'm going to go with a four because they just kind of like tried to change it up and they just decided, okay, let's just throw like a couple of checkered, checkered boxes in there and they didn't really nail it out of the park. So four for me. DC United's white and blue kit. It, I like the kit, but I don't really like it for DC. Like I feel like that could be like a, 
I don't even know what team though. What team? Like that, that would be, be a nice Val Dallas kit. That would be a nice Dallas. That would be a nice Dallas kit, but just not for DC. Like there's mm-hmm. too much blue for DC. So five for the kit. It could be higher if it wasn't DC. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go five. It's just, it's just, yeah. it, it's a typical white MLS jersey as well. So I'm gonna go five. Um, uh, Real Salt Lakes white jersey. It's just really plain. Sponsor, mm-hmm. logo, Adidas. That's it. There's like, I think that's some faded stripes. I might be wrong. Might There's be- like a faded pattern there. Yeah. Uh, it's just not doing it for me. That's another five. I'm going to go two. It's way too similar Ooh. to what they've had in the past. That's also true. Finally, the new boys in town, Austin FC, that we'll, we'll do the same thing as we do with Chicago. Give them together. I really, really like their home kit. The black and the green, it's like a strong green. I, I don't really know like how to sort of describe it. But like it's very like, it's I don't sharp. know. I, it's a sharp it's green. Sharp. There you go. It's a sharp green. I like the black and the green. The white and the green, not so much. It looks like a knockoff like Sounders jersey from two years ago. But it, yeah, it's, I like the home a lot, but the white with a little bit of green, it's, it's not it for me. Ben's going to disagree with me on this one. Uh I, I like it the other way around. I like the white kid a lot better than the than the home jersey. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, mean, I, I we have two people on the podcast. <laughs> I like I like the the green and black. I think it's a really nice combo. Uh, but I just like I like the the white kit more. Yeah. With the, I think that was a I think that was what they should have done last year with the, the like the three stripes on the shoulder. I think yeah. they nailed this Austin SC kit with that. So. I'm really excited to kind of see like a green jersey though on the pitch, see how that looks like. We've yeah. never seen that in MLS before. So yeah, some mm-hmm. decent kits. We also have Philadelphia's jerseys. Philadelphia's. Well. Yeah. Um I could pull that one was the it's the blue good. one. Uh hold up. Phil uh oh I spelled Philadelphia wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh kit. Uh you go Seb while I find it. <laughs> this one's really good. This one's probably this was the first one that was released and it's Probably the best one, I would say. I really wish my computer would load right now. Um, <laughs> You've seen it before. I showed it to you. Oh, those ones. I forgot about those. Those yeah. are sick. The uh, yeah, no, I like it. Like with the with the pat with like this like the lightning sort of pattern. The lightning on it. bolts and the it's like a cool blue. sort of retro pattern. Yeah, but like it, yeah, it's just like a retro kit that's been like brought to modern. What does the color say? Energy and persistence conquer all. That's a six thing to have on a jersey too. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Philadelphia. I'll give that a ten. I'll I'll give my first ten of the night. That's a that's a ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say ten as well. That one's just it's different, and like they did different, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they absolutely nailed it, and it's like like ninety plus. Of course, ninety plus yeah. always nails it. <laughs> And and the yellow as well on that kit with the with the light blue, it's such a nice like combination of colors. I re- I really like that jersey. And with that, that wraps up our little review session there of all the new MLS kits. I I think the hoop's definitely up there. It's one of the nicer ones for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and with the ending of that segment, that's also going to reach the end of our show. But before you do, Sebastian, I've got a question for you. Are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Yes, always have been. Good, because are you looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Why not? 
Well, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. That's I-C-A-R-U-S-F-C.com. So, um, yeah, that will be the end of episode 40 here on the 90 Plus Podcast. As we said earlier, we've got all our new social medias. So check out our Instagram at 90 Plus Podcast. Obviously, our Twitter at 90 Plus Podcast as well. Uh, I'm at Rigetti Ben or Ben Rigetti. He's at Sebastian P74 on Twitter. And obviously, he's my wonderful co host, Sebastian Pereira, who unfortunately will not be here for the next several episodes. It is sad to say. I've reached out to a number of other journalists to temporarily keep his seat hot, but we will miss you, Sebastian, for the next several weeks. Yeah, I'm going to miss it for sure. I mean, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again, 90 plus has been such a huge part of, you know, the weekly routine that I've had over the past year or so. And uh, I'm going to miss being on here, you know, chatting with Ben about all the cap stuff. So um, I'll, I'll, I'm still going to be here, you know, doing doing stuff behind the scenes with social media and stuff. But uh, but yeah, I won't be in the next couple episodes. Um, I'm closer than you think. I'll give you that hint. <laughs> figure it out. You're, you're a smart guy. I'll give you or a smart guy or girl. So, uh, yeah. You will be missed, Sebastian, but with that last little announcement, that is the end of episode 40, uh, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, I'm Ben Rigetti, joined by my wonderful co-host, Sebastian Pereira, for the last time for the next few episodes, but don't worry, we've got some awesome guests lined up to come on and replace Sebastian temporarily. Of course, he can never be truly replaced in our hearts. Episode 40, 90 plus podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you guys next time. See you later. (laughs) Peace.